0: Welcome to the Beef Brunch Educational Series podcast, bringing you information on cattle production and management in Louisiana and surrounding states. Good morning, everyone, and thank you all for joining us for our Beef Brunch news update on this morning, Monday, August 3rd. I hope that you've all been enjoying the slightly cooler weather over the last few weekends, or over the last weekend, excuse me. I wish it had been the last few weekends. Uh, With me this morning are Vince Desitel, Lee Falk, and Jason Holmes. I'm Ashley Edwards, and we are going to be bringing you just a few little updates over the weather, some hay fields, um, cattle markets, feedstuff markets, and a few other things this morning. So I'm going to turn it over to Lee, uh, if you don't mind talking a little bit about the weather and the field updates here in North Louisiana.
1: Well, thank you, Ashley. Good morning, everyone. Glad to be with you guys. Uh, we've, as Ashley stated, we've had a little break in the heat and the humidity over the last few days. Uh, we've also had um, um, moderate rainfall in some areas, moderate to heavy in some areas. Uh, it's been kind of hit, uh, hit and miss as far as who gets what and how much. I know uh, the farther western you go in the, in, in the state uh, picked up just a little more rain than over uh, Jason's way, but uh, I think most everyone has seen some rainfall. Pasture conditions in in our neck of the woods up in northwest Louisiana are, are outstanding. Uh, if somebody's short of grass in our country, then it's because they're they're overgrazing. Uh, a lot of hay has been made. A lot of hay has gotten wet in the last week or so. Uh, so, but as the old folks say, you know, if you're getting hay wet, that means you're getting moisture on your pasture to grow grass. So that's not a uh, not not a, a tremendous problem. I'd say. But uh, that, that's what it's looking like up this way, Ashley.
0: Alright, thank you. Vince, do you mind talking a little bit about Central and South Louisiana conditions and um, also go ahead and go into a little bit of site preparation? I know we've talked a little bit about getting ready for ryegrass coming up if you don't mind touching on that as well.
2: Yes, Ashley, thank you and thank you all for having me this morning. Uh, here in Central Louisiana. Um, it's, you know It's been a, a three week roller coaster ride as far as uh, rainfall events um, here the last couple of two or three days, we've had some major rains in the area. Um, fortunately, a month or so ago we had a, a, a dry spell that a lot of hay was made, um, a lot of hay field uh, preparation and work was able to be done. So we're in pretty good shape as far as the you know, amount of hay that's put up for, for the central part of the state and moving further south. Um, but this week, it looks like we're going to have a, a good weather week. We had uh, varying amounts of rain in the area from from one to three inches, some areas more. Um, but I think where, where field conditions will allow, we'll get some hay made this week um, uh, moving forward. Um, as as in with the northern part of the state, it even feels good this morning here on a, on a Monday morning for August the 3rd. Um, I was out of daylight, and there's you know low humidity and real comfortable, and cattle wild grazing comfortably. So um, it's 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 been real good. But um, uh, as I mentioned, being the first week in August, uh, here we are, uh, you know, four to six weeks out before the first ryegrass is going to be uh, uh, you know sowed, and, and we you know site preparation, um, depending on on your your choice of pre- you know preparation and planning method. Um, there's been some burn down going out on some pastures that typically get uh, conventionally tilled for planting ryegrass, um, so that's already in play with anticipation of planting in in a month or or five weeks or so, and um, it's it's time to make those decisions on on some ryegrass intentions as far as uh, what's going to be planted, how you're going to plant it. Uh, contact your local seed reps. Uh, I know some of those have been calling around and doing some early seed bookings. Uh, ryegrass is hitting. Uh, coming in on rail, uh, hitting some of the dealers, uh, so they're unloading ryegrass seed as we speak. Um, so it's time to time to get those bookings in, in place and uh, uh, take advantage of a possible maybe price break. I, I'm not sure exactly where the price is going to be on seed this year. It was a little softer last year than it was the previous year, so uh, we hopefully it stays about the same. We sure don't need any kind of spike in prices on input cost and on anything, so um, just it's, it's time to make those decisions. Um, you're going to do those last uh, end of the year or end of the summer uh, pasture herbicide treatments. A lot of those 24D uh, uh, combo mixes with some of the other uh, grass combinations that you know we use to control some of our bahia grass and Bermuda fields and sort. Uh, there's a six-week period on, on some of this residual effect on, on ryegrass seeds. So uh, it's time to be thinking about those issues that you may be facing uh, with this six-week, uh, roughly about a six-week period going into planting some ryegrass. So it's about all I have actually for, you know, for this area. Um, but uh, as as Lee said, uh, you know, we've got plenty of grass here in the central part of the state moving south. Um, again, if you have, you short on grass, you got too many cattle possibly graze, grazing out. So um, make those considerations for calls. If cows are not, not bred moving into the fall season and cabin season, uh, those, those calls, uh, you know, coal cows are still bringing a, a Pretty decent prices in the stockyards. So, with that being said, that's all I got.
0: All right, thank you. We were also talking a little bit this morning. Um, I know Jason and I were out last week helping a producer calibrate his sprayer. Lee, you mentioned that you were doing that as well. Do you mind touching on just um, general sprayer calibration for herbicides and pesticides?
1: Uh, Yeah, Ashley. So, so this is kind of a uniform topic amongst the group. uh, Something we do in extension a pretty good bit. Uh, I think it's one of the underutilized services we offer is uh, calibrating sprayers, And, and we can definitely help you with that. Whether it's just providing the information or actually coming out and trying to help you get everything set up, make sure everything's working right, and going into the calibration process. Um, I'm not going to touch a lot on the calibration process, process today. I just want to uh, stress the importance and a couple of tips here. Um, whenever you're talking about calibrating sprayers, you, you're wanting to make sure that you're putting out enough product to get the control that you're needing, uh, but you're also not wanting to waste any money. You're wanting to hit that sweet spot, that recommended rate, that rate that you're looking for, and it, it's, it's, it's shocking sometimes whenever I go out and calibrate sprayers, I'll ask folks, what do you think you're putting out? Uh, what's your gallons per acre? And then they uh, they tell me and we we do the calculations and it comes off way, way off. Uh, so so that, that producer is either costing themselves a lot of money or not getting the effective control. Uh, but just a couple of little hints and tips when we're talking about calibration and, and spraying. Um, with our Uh, Insecticides, you know, we're battling armyworms. Jason was mentioning that up his way and uh, we're definitely battling them over here. Uh, You want to have that gallons per acre of water up a little bit, you know, on herbicides we can trend down into the uh, 15 gallons per acre sometime on some of these herbicides now, but on on these insecticides we want to be at that 20 gallons per acre if possible. And the only way to know that truly is by calibration. Uh, Vince and I were talking before we started recording, and he, he mentioned the importance of your pH in your water. Uh, PH in water can definitely affect the, uh, the, um, the quality of, of the uh, kill you get and the effectiveness of that kill. So, if you have that high pH water, that seven plus, uh, you may want to look at getting some acidifying agents. Uh, you want to get that pH down in the sixth range if possible. Uh, so, so that's definitely something you need to keep in mind. If you've never tested your water, uh, you may want to do that. Just kind of see where that pH comes out, and we can help you with that too if you need it. Um, we're going to include a, a, a good link to a article on sprayer calibration. A real simple process. It's going to be on our Beef Brunch website, and Ashley's going to include that. Yeah, a link to that uh, website and everything on here. So if you have any more uh, questions or anything, feel free to contact one of us. We, we'll definitely be willing to to uh, walk you through the process and help you as needed. Uh, get your sprayer calibrated. Thank you, Ash.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you. And I'm going to tag on to that just as a reminder. We did have Dr. Ron Strahan talking about weed control in our Beef Brunch uh, webinar back in June. And then last month in July, we also had Dr. Ed Twidwell talking a little bit about those cool season forages. So um, you can always refer back to those as well. They are on our Beef Brunch website. As Lee said, I am going to put the link for that into the description um, on YouTube or in the podcast, depending on how you're listening to that. Jason, I'm going to turn it over to you. Will you let us know what the cattle markets and what the feedstuff markets are looking like, please?
3: Yes, ma'am. Thank you and I just want to uh, emphasize something that Vance said a while ago because he said low humidity in August in the same sentence, so uh, I'm sure that, uh, that that puts a little extra pep in your step whenever you can go out and you're not soaking wet by the time it's daylight, uh, so it has been extremely nice. Uh, getting to the markets for the weekend in July the 31st uh, in the five area feeding region. Uh, negotiated cash sales were 97 to 102, uh, which is uh, still looking pretty good for those uh, those cash sales. Fed cattle futures moved higher uh, due to that improvement in cash sales or cash prices. Uh, October futures uh, 107, December 111 and February 114. So those uh, uh, those futures prices um, are still looking very well for those fed cattle. Jason, Yes, ma'am.
0: I'm sorry. Do you have a PowerPoint to share? I didn't stop share. Um, stop I'm, my screen share. I'm, we're good. Okay. Uh,
3: five five to six hundred pound steers uh, sold one thirty eight to one forty nine. Uh, that was steady to a dollar lower than the previous week. Uh, so those uh, those classic cattle are still holding pretty steady. Seven to eight hundred pound feeder steers sold $1.32 to $1.37. Uh, we're still seeing a good bit of improvement in that class of cattle, so they're about $4 higher than the previous week. Uh, those feeder cattle futures continue higher August uh, at 144, September and October at about a dollar higher. Uh, so uh, we are still seeing some, uh, some fairly decent uh, cattle prices uh, across all classes of cattle. With this being the uh, the time of year that I know a lot of folks are uh, are booking uh, feedstuffs uh, for the coming uh, coming winter months, I thought it would be a good time just to look at uh, some of the feedstuffs that I track uh, through the price and production summary. And I just wanted to make a note that five of the eight feedstuffs that I track are currently trading lower than year ago levels. So, um, and I've got a lot of friends of mine that, uh, and I know uh, Vince and Lee do as well, that uh, that grow uh, a lot of grains, and uh, this is this is certainly not good for them in terms of some of these lower lower prices, but for us in the livestock uh, industry that are feeding a lot of those grains, uh, it helps our bottom line. So it's kind of a, a double-edged sword, if you will, in terms of it does affect a lot of our friends out there, but at the same time it helps, helps those livestock producers. Uh, so soybean meal, uh, 292.85, and that's uh, a ton, $292 a ton. So that's uh, trading down uh, almost $26 from year ago level. Uh, DDGs, uh, 113.50, that's trading down at 16.50 from year ago. Um, you know, those DDGs had spiked up there a pretty good bit. Uh, they thought that there was going to be a good bit of shortage there, uh, but it looks like that they're leveling back out. Cottonseed meal. Uh, is trading up $25 at $245 a ton. Soybean hulls are trading even at $100. Uh, Rice brand is trading $32.50 down at $100 a ton. Uh, whole cottonseed at $215, that's down $60 a ton. And corn is currently trading, and I follow the Pine Bluff markets. Um you know, it's currently trading three dollars and 29 cents a bushel which is down 83 cents a bushel um, so you can see there uh, across a lot of those feedstuffs that we use whether in in pre-mixes or maybe we're mixing them ourselves in a, in a home ration uh, you can see that um, it does look pretty good right now for those folks that are booking those those feedstuffs thank you Ashley
0: yes sir thank you And as we wrap up, the last thing that I want to mention is we are doing this in podcast form now. So we are on Google Podcast or Google Play as well as Spotify and a couple of others. I will have those links below. We are still waiting to get final approval to be on um, Apple Podcasts. But once we get that up, we will let you know. We will continue, of course, to have our YouTube channel as well as our website Um, again, both of those are going to be linked below as well. So with that, we hope that you have a great Monday and a great next couple of weeks. We will see y'all again in two weeks. Thank you.